It's Monday the 30th of September 2019. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by Kolbein Dalrimpel, a freelance journalist including for the Reykjavik Grapevine and also by Laura Omastotir, broadcast journalist, producer and presenter here at Ruv. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, this week, three companies uh, announced significant layoffs, unfortunately. Uh, also, the European Court of Human Rights is investigating the financial investments of two Icelandic judges uh, before the crash to see whether their losses could have affected how they treated the banksters who they later convicted. There's trouble in the police force, with the National Police Chief facing calls to resign from all bar one regional police forces and the officers' association as well. School security is in the spotlight after news broke um, of an incident earlier this month when a man entered a school unchallenged and molested a young girl. The Gvidmundur and Geirvinu case is back in the news yet again, uh, this time about compensation for those acquitted. The tourism industry is also in the spotlight as a small conference last week revealed it continues to perform better than feared this year, mostly because the smaller number of tourists coming are staying for longer and spending a bit more. Then, of course, there's the Reykjavik International Film Festival, which is currently in full swing and bringing a civilised but edgy feel to town and also a green puffin as well. So, where would you like to begin? Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, start with something positive. Uh, riff, perhaps. <laughs> you want to start with that? Yeah. Oh, start with oh. the positive. It's all downhill from there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Tourist industry is that's doing true. Okay. Yeah, so, that's uh, some good news there. Yeah. So Reykjavik International Film Festival has been running for. Am I right in saying twenty years now? Give or take. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. got a very strong place in the in the cultural calendar of the city and the country. Um, yeah, what's, do we know what's uh, interesting about it this year? Uh, I don't know. Do they have new themes this year? Because um, I mean, there's one film that I'm looking forward to seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Cold Case, uh, about the uh, UN Secretary General who died in a plane crash, and um, they're investigating it, seeing if it's just crazy conspiracy theories or there might be some truth to it. It has a very humorous uh, angle. A humorous angle. Yeah, the the trailer, there was a lot of just sort of ridiculous things happening in it, so it looks interesting. Mm. That case, I mean, obviously that's decades ago, so not necessarily in the news, but that was a really interesting case. They didn't get to the bottom of it, did they? No. No. Um, There's another film there, uh, uh, I don't know what you would call it in English, maybe The Last Fall or something. Uh, it's called Siesta Hustith. Mm. And it's about uh, this uh, farmer, Ulvar, who lives in Krosnes. And his last uh, fall as a farmer. And uh, in uh, this place called Arnesreppur in Iceland. So I think mm. that's very interesting. Uh, could be an interesting uh, movie as well. Mm-hmm. Is it a uh, fiction? No, it's a documentary. Well, wow. okay. That's, so, uh, yeah, I it's, love... a, it's about an actual, like a farmer who lives in Arnesreppur, a crossness, and he has uh, decided uh, not to have sheep anymore. So um, he's gonna, yeah, he has um, quit as a farmer, and but he still lives there. So the, uh, I think the movie is about like his last uh, when he uh, brought the sheep together for the last time, and 
put it to Slodrosh or something. Uh, that's what I think it's about. But uh, mm. yeah, uh, I would very much like to see that one. But maybe that's too local. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm fascinated with Altnus uh, <laughs> Reper. Uh, yeah, it's the, been in the news recently. Yeah, yeah. it has actually, yeah. Kvalavirkin, <laughs> for example. Uh, anyway, that's not necessarily this week. No. Yeah. Um, and then there was... I'm sure you don't mind me mentioning. Um, your dad, Omar, received an award at the festival this year for his um, nature photography. Is that right? So I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you weren't there. <laughs> no, I wasn't uh, in town. I was uh, in the countryside, so yeah. no, I didn't. I'm sorry. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> There's no help in me there. <laughs> I but yeah, it's either. probably about that. Uh, oh, or maybe you can tell me so more. <laughs> well, it's the first time the Green Puffin Award has been awarded oh, okay. at Riff, apparently, <laughs> and it's all about obviously it's green, so oh yeah, the environment. Um, and it was presented by Gwemunderingi Gwebranson, the Minister for the Environment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and my dad is of course an activist, like an environmental activist, maybe if, mm. if you can call it. Yeah, say it like that. Yeah. So, congratulations to him. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I ever heard of him was shortly after I moved to the country, the first time. And it was the the dam march, the Kauranukar yeah, well, march. Yes. And that was, at the time, I think it was the biggest protest march that had ever happened in, mm-hmm. in Iceland. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's got a green credential, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> um, OK, so the Reykjavik International Film Festival runs until next Sunday, the 6th of October and Everyone is uh, welcome, I assume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Should we move on to something else? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, there's a lot of heavy things. I'm not sure which one to start with. Um, Maybe the unemployment. Yeah, well, the layoffs uh, yeah. at Arian Banki, for example, maybe. Mm. Uh, um, you know, it came maybe as a little bit of shock to people. Um, uh, yeah, we know that the bank hasn't been doing as well as last year. And yeah, uh, they have, uh, have some uh, downfalls in their investments, like for United Silicon, and uh, they were uh, Bauer and uh, yeah. and more like that. So, and Valitor. Yes, and Valitor. So mm-hmm. these are like big uh, bucks they are losing there. But uh, And now the, the layoffs, they say it's to prevent more loss. They, they can save up to one billion uh, kronas, uh, but uh, I don't know, last year they made, uh, the profit was 7.8 I think, and uh, for the first uh, quarter of this year it was uh, 2 mm. billions, and uh, for the second one was 1.2, but now they, they're looking into, they think it's like going to go further down. But also there, there are disputes about uh, if uh, they uh, laid the people off properly. Uh, so that's a new like uh, twist mm. on that story. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I think they're, they're looking into that. But um, this was a big shock, I think, to a lot of people. It's 100 people that were laid off. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, they had, like you said, they lost a lot of money, but they're still quite profitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the profit went down, but they are profitable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's a question, and it's always very difficult for people to lose their jobs. Uh, pe- those people, of course, have families, and uh, 
and the economy is uh, now uh, slightly going down so it's maybe it's not as uh, easy to get a job as like maybe two years ago or two or three years ago so um there ha- uh yeah they're heading towards a difficult time maybe these people and uh, i don't know I always think it's sad when they're laying off people. It doesn't matter what company it is, but it's always very difficult. Mm. Yeah. Such a large group of people, and it's going to hurt their chances of finding more work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, a hundred people—it's not—it's kind of a drop in the ocean. There are jobs available. Fingers crossed, they'll find. Yeah, yeah. They'll find work, That's and true. and the system is in place to help them in the meantime. Um, the other big group was Iceland Air. Yeah. Um, 87 pilots laid off. Yeah. That's a bit different, though, because it's all about this, the max, the Boeing max problem. Yeah, and yeah. also, like, the seasonal thing. They always, uh, every year, they lay off uh, some pilots and students and, and such because uh, that's just how they run their company. They hire a lot of people uh, during spring. And then they have layoffs in uh, the fall. Mm-hmm. But, so some of it is like that, so like seasonal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of it is, of course, because of the Boeing. Yeah, and originally they'd planned to put them, I think, on half-time work, but they just laid them off last week. Yeah, I don't know what led to that, because it was, I think, 112 people that were going to be going half-time, and instead they're laying off 87. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, obviously just business logic there. Um, they do say, hopefully, that they'll give most of those people their jobs back in the spring, assuming they want them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that that company has always had no has also had uh, difficulties uh, because of the Max uh, Boeing Max uh, aircrafts, uh, and uh, they've been waiting and waiting and waiting to see if they can fly. And also, uh, they had invested a lot into like training pilots and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. No, that's right. And well, they've managed to... Oh, yeah. sorry. No, I just saw this morning they got approval to fly the planes to France so they can store them for the winter mm-hmm. in better, condi- better conditions. Mm. So it doesn't look like they're going to be in the fleet anytime soon. No, no they're looking at January at the earliest. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a bad one, isn't it? I mean, obviously, Iceland there is not only affected. It's airlines all over the world. But, uh, yeah, crazy. And Iceland there have managed to keep their passenger numbers up. Mm. Um, since this because they've been chartering planes but those planes usually come with their own crews yeah because yeah. licensing and that sort of thing so it's not helping the the Iceland Air employees but it is helping Icelandic tourism you could say mm. yeah and then of course there was 20 more people um, from Eastland Spunky as well yeah mm-hmm. same reasons as Arion yeah I think so uh, mm. so similar reasons uh but they were also complaining about the bank taxes and uh, the finance minister said and uh, that the taxes were too high for banks and they should maybe reduce it. I don't know. I'm mm. I'm not sure what he's going to do about that. That's not but... going to be popular. <laughs> no, not at all, I think. <laughs> I think, yeah, doing favours for the banks is not... We're a bit too soon still, I think, for a lot of people in Iceland. Yeah, anyway, yeah. there's a lot of distrust regarding the, to, towards the banks. So, yeah. still, I don't know. Well, and they're still making profit despite these high taxes. So, yeah. yeah. And Eastlands Banky, of course, is in the news for another reason because hopefully, hopefully, I'm not going to put my personal opinion on it. Possibly it's going to be sold 
uh, back into the private sector again soon because um, it is a hundred percent government owned at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about that? That's well, they tried to sell it when they were um, ending the assets for the old bank, and nobody wanted to buy it. I mean, maybe the market has changed, but it might be harder than they think. But they also said they might use that money to pay for the new transport plan, which is would be a good thing because there was a big um, hole in the financing of that. Mm. Understandably, yeah. Um, yeah, East Lansbonke, 100% uh, government-owned. Uh, two banks are, are public-owned at the moment. Yes. Yeah. So it's basically two banks. Yeah, but like, there used to be three, so... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Exactly. Uh, obviously, they're not exempt from the same market forces, though. Uh, hence no. why they're letting people go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anything else, or should we move on? I think we can move on. Excellent. So, what have we got? Uh, the European Court, Icelandic Police Force. Yeah, the, the police force is, is like uh, my interest. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm very interested in that because it has been like, uh, well, uh, Harald Rionisen has been uh, at office for t like 22 years, I think. Uh, I think he has uh, maybe maximum three years left uh, on his appointment there. So, um, for this to come up now is uh, is maybe a strange time. I don't know, uh, but uh, there has been a lot of um, discussion in the police force about his how he's running things, and it started with the things about the cars. So uh, his office has. Um, uh, he controls all the uh, police cars in in the country, and then the offices are, across the country need to rent it from his office. Mm. So, uh, and it started with that uh, frustration. It, it, they thought it was too expensive and so on, but then it has escalated, and uh, now it seems that almost the whole uh, police forces uh, want him to go. And it's a difficult situation for the minister, uh, justice minister, because um, uh, it's not easy to just lay him off or like fire him. Uh, you cannot do that. He's an officially appointed uh, uh, member of the police, uh, and it's not. You cannot just go and fire him in like in seconds. You need to have uh, some steps first and. So it's a difficult situation. You have a, a police force that uh, doesn't trust this man, and he's the head of the police. Uh, you know, mm. so I think it's very interesting to uh, see how this will revolve and like how. Yeah, I don't think that Harold, though, in my opinion, I think he's gonna step down not very soon in the next three months or so. Mm. Uh, I think so, but I'm not sure how they're going to solve this problem. It's a big one. Yeah, because I mean, if the, most of the police force doesn't trust you. That can't sustain very, for very long. You know, um, it'd just be interesting to see what the minister's plan is going to be. Mm. Maybe reorganize things. Yeah, because uh, uh, like I, I don't know if you, you knew that uh, the national police uh, office was. Uh, it's, it's a relatively new office. Uh, they changed the, the way the police forces worked, like back in, they started in back in 2005 or six or something like that, and then uh, combined some of the offices across the country and uh, made this new national police office. And uh, it took over some parts of what uh, 
the regional offices had been doing and uh, and uh, and the special forces uh police forces uh, um, uh go under the national police so mm. and that the aim of that change back then was to uh, have a stronger police force um and now it seems like uh, they're going to change it uh, so once again mm. i don't know yeah <laughs> Mm. So is the, the is the um, what should I say the responsibility for the structure of the police force is that entirely in the hands of the justice minister? Yeah, the parliament, of course. Parliament yes, well. yeah. Mm. But uh, yeah, and it will be interesting to see what the new justice minister is going to do about this. This is something that just lands on her lap, like uh, just ha- happens like uh, on her first month. Se- <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first week, I think, uh, in office. So, and uh, yeah, and uh, because this has been uh, discussed uh, a lot uh, during the four or five months uh, or, or even longer at the ministry. So, and uh, first by Syria and then by Thortis Kolpern and now Auslaug Arna. So there are three ministers like uh, dealing with this. And uh, uh, But hopefully we have now uh, in office uh, a person that's going to stay there for a, a longer period of time, mm-hmm. you know. So maybe she can come up with some solutions. Uh, but it has to be like um, she's in a difficult situation because Harald Rjohanesson has been working for the police force uh, his whole life. Uh, he has never, uh, nobody had complaints about him earlier. Mm, yeah. uh, he's there uh, for all that time. And so it's not, and he only has like three years left before he's like 67. Mm. So um, that's that part he has to like think of uh, also. Because you don't want to maybe fire him with disgrace, because that's not uh, completely fair to do so after all this time, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but on the other hand, you have uh, a police force that doesn't want him to be there. So it's a very, so very tricky situation, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, the best bosses are unpopular with their underlings. Could that be the case here, or is that really not? I don't know, because uh, if he's just changing organizational structures, that would be a fair point. But I, if it's a personal issues, um, it might be different. And I'm not, it's not clear if, which one it is to me. Mm. I think there is a mix, isn't it? It is personal as well. Yeah. The, the way uh, he talks to people. Mm-hmm. I think it's more personal than uh, <laughs> structural. I think so. Yeah. Um, but like you say, why now? Uh, yeah, I don't understand why now. Not really, but it starts with um, one uh, police uh, office in in the countryside, and then um, and then a second one, and the third one, and then all of a sudden you all you have almost everybody, except for one one district. Uh, I don't know uh, what happened, but uh, <laughs> not really. So, but it, I think it's definitely personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm, yeah, maybe there was this one bad meeting where everybody like argued. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. But it's uh, yeah. So it sounds like it's been festering for a while, and then somebody broke the yeah the, the silence. Something like that. Yeah. And maybe it's linked to like uh, these changes uh, in general in the society, uh, like. Uh, 
there is there is less tolerance against bullyism, uh, sexism, uh, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, there is uh, changing in uh, management. Uh, people, uh, the because you say that sometimes it's good to have a unpopular boss, but I think that's a, 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 an old, maybe fashioned way of running things to be like uh, the. The angry boss that <laughs> screams at the stuff. I don't know. Mm. I'm not saying that Harold does, but maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's because um, there are younger people mm. joining the police police force, and they think this is not the way of uh, like uh, communicating. I I don't know. Um, mm. It could be. Yeah, it yeah. could be indeed. Um, okay, what next? Um, I I would definitely like to talk about. Um, school security before the program finishes okay because that was I'd, obviously the the crime in question is pretty horrible and we don't need to talk about that specifically but the culture around the openness of schools in iceland um and whether or not it needs to be tightened up and yeah i mean where what's our opinions on that i mean some of the ideas i've heard floated didn't seem too extreme they would lock all the doors except you know maybe two mm. and you can control who's coming in better and having staff wear IDs which, so the students can recognize, you know, safe people better. Um, and those don't seem like a huge burden. They're not keeping children in the school all day mm. or locked away. So. Yeah, those seem reasonable, don't they? Yeah. Um, what I've heard people that I've spoken to about this is, are saying sometimes like, yeah, but, you know, when I was, when I was overseas... Uh, I didn't like to see that all the gates were locked all the time and that you had to telephone ahead and it's just, this is not the Icelandic way and we don't want this. Are they going to go that in that direction? I don't think so. Probably, I don't not. Think, Probably not that extreme. I don't yeah. think that um, parents would like that. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I definitely want to go, be able to go inside the, the school where my kid is and I like... You know, I I think we should uh, at least be careful of uh, how lo- how long we're going to stretch this security. You know, mm-hmm. um, because Iceland is even though uh, something terrible happens like this, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to lock all the schools. You know, and because Iceland is still pretty safe. And these kinds Country. of incidents are very rare. Yeah. Mm. Thankfully. Yeah. yeah. So you always uh, you always seem to get this um, the reaction. The first reaction is, "Oh, look how society has got worse. Um, this is a sign of the times." And we did get some of those reactions, but at the same time, you've got to remember that given an infinite amount of time and possibilities, every outcome will happen eventually. So, in other words. Bad things will happen eventually. It's not necessarily because society has got worse. It's just maybe we've been lucky that it's taken this long. But you do have to react when it does happen, don't you? Yes. Cause... Yeah, but uh, like uh, because you, I remember when I was a kid, uh, uh, nobody really did anything when something like this happens, you know, mm-hmm. and it happens, but it didn't even make the news or anything. You know, the time has changed in that sense, I think. You know, we now are more aware of uh, how uh, harmful mm-hmm. uh, crimes like that are. Uh, 
And maybe that's why we're talking about it now, that we have to do something about it. But like 40 years ago, nobody was thinking about it could be harmful to anybody, you know. So uh, it's not necessarily, like you say, that the the time is worse or like now everything has gone worse. It's not that. I think there's just more aware. Yeah, people are just more open when yeah. bad things happen. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And it seems like everyone reacted in the best way possible mm -hmm. after an unfortunate event. You know, they were yeah. able to get her help and arrest him. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's true, indeed. But yeah, I mean, the bottom line, obviously, is that children should be safe in school. It's a mm -hmm. it's a haven for them, and all measures need to be taken to to make that the case. Of course. But you and have to be sensitive to the culture as well. Yeah, and also like, uh, do they? If you like lock all the doors and uh, go the extreme way of, of uh, do they then feel safe? Are you sure they will feel safe? You know, do kids maybe feel safe when the door are open? Like because then they think, oh, there's nothing bad gonna happen to me here. Mm. Because here, but if you like lock everything down, and if you have like maybe in the U.S., I, I don't know if. I've I've only heard stories. I don't know how it's like, but uh, you know, I I wouldn't want to go down that path. Well, I mean, I grew up in the states, and most of the doors were locked, and we didn't know that though, you know. And so I imagine if you just locked the the side doors, kids probably wouldn't notice the difference. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The main door is open, and yeah, yeah, exactly. But we won't be chaining the gates shut anytime soon. No. I Seems excessive. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, okay, we are running to the end. Uh, probably got time to briefly cover one more topic. There's three more on the table. Only time for one. Uh, okay. We have equipment or girlfriend small now. Yeah, nice light one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Why well, do you have a light one? No. No. Okay. Uh, well, tourism. Well, the tourism. Yeah, tourism. Yeah. Talk about that then. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, the summer tourism um, season was was better than they feared, especially given the departure of Wow Air. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for that seems to be that people are staying a bit longer and spending a little bit more. Um, yeah, why is that? <laughs> um, I don't know why. Well, I mean, the the corona has fallen, so yeah. just in that level. And I think um, the industry is trying to shift from mass tourism to a more luxury system which is probably more sustainable in the long run because i know i assume starting to get a reputation for being crowded yeah um so you know people come spend more stay longer fewer of them it seems like a good sustainable way to do it, it, yeah, is, it but, is, yeah. but why does like iceland have this reputation of it's too crowded because i i'm i travel a lot uh uh, across Iceland and you know around Iceland, and uh, it's only crowded in three places or, or so. You know, yeah, you, can, yeah. <laughs> you can go to uh, uh, you don't have to drive far, uh, only half an hour, and then you're in the uh, middle of nowhere and there's nobody there. Mm -hmm. So uh, why why do people think it's crowded? Do you think? Because well, I think most people <laughs> just go to they do the Golden Circle and they see twenty ah. coaches in a parking okay. lot and it's just unappealing. You know? On yeah. the other hand, compare those 20 coaches in the car park on the Golden Circle to Mont Saint-Michel, to Niagara Falls and Stonehenge. Uh, Eiffel and, uh, Tower or something, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, cause I think Iceland is advertised as sort of being this exotic, you know, hidden treasure kind of, and 
you know, it's not anymore. <laughs> you know. That's a really good point, actually. That's yeah, it's advertised as being empty, and it's not empty. So maybe that's why. Yeah, but that's that. That's what I'm saying. It is empty. We have a lot of space in Iceland where nobody is, and very beautiful places. You know, and nobody goes there. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, 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 we're only talking about like the south coast, maybe Reynisfjara. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sailorlands for Skåafoss, uh, good for Skæsir, think mm. But uh, you can go uh, in any other direction <laughs> and uh, have a lot of space and a lot of beautiful sights. And uh, I think that um, we maybe if we could, we need somehow Icelanders, that is, to come that, uh, that comes across. Uh, because I, I noticed that some of the foreign press has been writing about too many tourists in Iceland, too crowded. Um, but then it's not if you go to other places. We have a really big country with a lot of uh, waterfalls, uh, hot springs and uh, whatever you, black sand beaches on other places like than those. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how we we can get that message out but <laughs> but maybe it's also a little bit our own fault uh, because uh, Icelanders some of them at least have been talking about oh no I'm so tired of all these tourists now I can't go to Skåfors anymore because there are too many tourists uh, maybe that's a little bit also our fault I don't know I mean I think the companies need to offer more varied tours to go to some of these smaller out of the way places because you know there's many options to do the golden circle and you know one of the 20 Coaches, you know. yeah, that's true. But, uh, but it's strange, though. I always recommend to everybody that uh, talk to me before they come to Iceland mm-hmm. that they do the Golden Circle anyway. Yeah, well, yeah <laughs> because... there's a reason it's popular. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like the Eiffel Tower. Why mm-hmm. you wouldn't go to Paris and not see the Eiffel Tower? You know. No. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I mean, yeah, I love doing it still. But... Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do it like I do this golden circle. I don't know four or five times a year. So. Yeah. <laughs> and people do. They, they, it's what the country's famous for. People yeah, say, yeah. "I want to go to Iceland. I'm going to go and sit in that hot pool thing." Yeah. <laughs> and see the geysers. Yeah, um, that, yeah, of course. <laughs> and why not? <laughs> yeah, but we have geysers like just here in the backyard of Reykjavik, mm-hmm. but uh, not that many people go there. Yeah. So, the idea—it's true, actually. Some of these columns that are saying Iceland is overcrowded, they are written by Icelanders. Yeah. In the foreign press, in English. So. Yeah, that's just, that's what I'm talking about. I think it's maybe a little bit. Uh, uh, Icelanders to blame, uh, because also the tourists I talk to and uh, meet, uh, they are a little bit surprised there are not more people here because they read that there was so crowded, mm. and they were like, it wasn't that crowded. It was like two buses at Selnesfoss. <laughs> Is that crowded? I don't know. Matter well, yeah, <laughs> of perspective, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, yeah, that's crowded. You know, I'm from Iceland. I'm used to being like maybe three, four persons looking at a waterfall, mm-hmm. but like two buses now. Oh my God, it's so crowded. But for Chinese, do you think that's crowded? I don't think so. <laughs> I agree. That's a good point. <laughs> well, it never fails to amaze me how quickly we run out of time. But it's happened again, people. Um, the week in Iceland will return to roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, to the Roof app, and as a podcast, including on Spotify, next Monday, the 7th of October. 
My sincere thanks go to my guests, Colbain Dalrymple and Laura Omas. And thanks too to Lydia Gretas for running the studio. Do remember, you can still register to take part in the Week in Iceland at the Library next Monday by visiting the English language pages of Reykjavik City Library or by looking at the events page on Roof English Facebook. We end the show on the number one song from the Rastfur chart, and this week that's the triumphant return of Keen uh, with the song The Way I Feel. Bye for now. Well, they said you were a bright child Never anything but joy behind your eyes No sign of all the dark clouds Spreading like volcanic dust over your blue skies Now they're looking for an answer Where the rot set in and set up the landslide But it only makes it worse now you like a puzzle to be worked Head gets twisted